When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, everyone. Seth Abramovich, once again, from The Hollywood Reporter. And Chip Pope, once again, I know all the 50 state capitals. (laughs) Great. That'll come in handy, not on this show. Cool. We are very excited this week because we are both super fans of the show Curb Your Enthusiasm. Currently, in its 10th season. Yeah. Is that what you were going to say? Well, yeah, is that it's on right now on HBO, you know, and sometimes the seasons, the years go by between seasons and you don't know if it's coming back and, right. but it's back and, and uh, whenever it's there, it feels like an old crabby friend. Right. And, <laughs> and this is the, this is the most, I guess, current thing that we've ever done, even though it's 20 years old. Right. So that's true. we've never done something that's currently on the air. I love Curb because... I mean, I appreciated it more after I moved to L.A. and like these weird interactions that you have like that, that seem like they don't ha- they actually happen. Like, right. I, at least they happen to me. I get into these very curb like Larry David scenarios. There's so many little like cultural things in L.A. from like valet etiquette. <laughs> valet etiquette. That just happened to me the other night with like a really good friend of mine was visiting from New York. We went for Mexican food and I said goodbye. I hugged him. And then he had to awkwardly walk by me at the valet. And we were like <laughs> pretending not to see each other after having had this whole dinner together. Just look down at your phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> no, no. But L.A. kind of presents a lot of these weird uh, social scenarios and... um and that's one of the great things about the show is that it doesn't matter how much money that he has, that people just have problems. Like the world is just annoying. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, in between, whatever. But sorry for the long preamble. The truth is... <laughs> Larry David is not here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Jeff Garland is. Yes. And um, he's as much a part of the DNA of this show as, as Larry David. He was there from day one, helped him create it. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good time with him. And we'll get to it right after the theme song on It Happened in Hollywood. Just kidding. crazy how a lot of our guests tie into other guests that we've had sometimes. I know. It's it's the uh, six degrees of Kevin Baconing of It Happened in Hollywood. So what? We got Jeff Garland, and then Wally was a couple episodes back, and he was in that. Yeah, he played the, the captain. Yeah. And it was really exciting to have Jeff Garland here because we're both big fans of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's been really funny this year. Oh, my God, the Make America Great hat. All this, all the stuff they've done so far is great. The first episode of the 10th season, he has to, is the, whole, the running joke is that he looks like Harvey Weinstein. Oh, yes, that's hilarious. <laughs> the Harvey Weinstein connection, which we should have made while we were sitting talking to him. No, but I, guess, I don't think anyone well, <laughs> should ever make that connection. But uh, clearly Larry David made it, and uh, and he was game to go along with it. So. Let's get right into it. You know, there's lots of patterns emerging, which I'm loving. And 
Another pattern is Second City, which is probably one of the most fertile talent incubators ever. Yes. And he, like Betty Thomas, got his start there. He's from Chicago. Um, he was a stand-up, but uh, he, he got experience doing improv there as well. Here he is explaining how, how it used to work at Second City Chicago. Back then it was, you do a written show, which you learn when you're added to the cast, because mm -hmm. you might not have been in the show when they created it. Mm -hmm. Then you improvise, like, let's say the show starts at 8, at 11 o'clock that night, there's a free improv show mm -hmm. for the audience. People can come off the street even and watch. And then from that, you create material that will go into the next show, but you don't write it down the next day. You're always doing the scripted show until you go into rehearsal for the next show. And that's when you start paying attention Got to. It. But if there was a good scene that you'd come up with in an improv, you remember it for when you put up a show. Were any of your co-players, like, did they go into big things? Yeah. Like, who were you on stage with? I was on stage with, let's see, I worked in the box office with Stephen Colbert, and I also worked on stage with him, Amy Sedaris, Paul Danello, Tim Meadows, Mike Myers, Bonnie Hunt. I know I'm missing more. Uh, Steve, uh, Steve Carell. Unbelievable. We're all there at the time I was there. And even before I learned from Richard Kind, who's a great friend of mine and on Curb Your Enthusiasm, Dan Castaneda. I probably learned more from Dan Castaneda uh, than anyone watching him. The voice of Homer Simpson. Either way, voice of Homer Simpson. That's right. I remember he was in Second City when he got the Tracy Ullman show, which led to The Simpsons. That was originally on the Tracy Ullman show, The Simpsons. So these, you know, that's an insane amount of And by the way, stories. all the people that I mentioned who ironically gone into great success were all very nice to me. <laughs> Seriously. The, the, these people, Amy Sedaris is maybe the funniest person I know, a dear, dear, like all these people, I may not be close with them now, but I have nothing but fond, thoughtful feelings. All these people were very nice to me. There must be some correlation between having it, whatever it is, and sort of having the peace of mind to like be uh, generous to your co Well, I think that for most performers, if you're, if you're good, you aren't threatened. Right. For the most part, there are people who are mistakenly, who, who mistakenly are threatened because there's nothing to be threatened about. That's a very good insight about show business because the coolest people I've found in my, you want to call it career, are the most secure people. And the bigger stars are usually like chill and like the ones that are like a tier below are always the divas, I find. Right. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Um, and you know, you know, you want to know something interesting about Chicago, about improv that I learned recently? What? Is why improv started in the 50s in Chicago. Do you have any idea how and why it started? No, but educate us. Well, to sell more drinks. So they had these theater shows and they would have an hour show. And at one point, this bartender goes, hey, can we have an extra half an hour because I want to sell more drinks? And then someone in this theater company, probably, I think, Compass Players, said, why don't we just take suggestions from the audience? That's hilarious. So it, it totally makes sense for Chicago, too. Just the town of drunks. Right. It's kind of crazy. That, I love it. it the origin story there. of improv. All right. So let's, uh, let's jump ahead a bit. He's uh, made a career for himself as a stand-up. And uh, he's out here in L.A. He has a few development deals and doing the thing. And um, suddenly an interesting 
opportunity happens and it's purely out of office space and shared office space. And it's Proximity funny. Proximity comedy. We share, uh, the Hollywood Porter shares a, a floor with uh, Fox Animation. So there's this sort of Seth MacFarlane acolytes running around all over the place. But we rarely cross-pollinate with these people. We just sort of uh-huh. share the elevator and go. But, but in this case, something really exciting happened. Let's go back to where you were in your life when it came into your life. Like, uh, how was your I was going? in L.A. constantly. I was doing stand-up. I was on the TV show Mad About You as a recurring character. I just filmed a couple weeks ago. They're rebooting it. Right. And okay. I filmed an episode. It was quite fun. And I got a deal, one of my many development deals, and I really, I had so many development deals, including the one I'm about to tell you about, that led nowhere. But this development deal led to the great thing of my life, uh, professionally. Um, I was hired by CBS, a development deal. They were looking for a companion show to Everybody Loves Raymond. And I was teamed up with a writer named Alan Zweibel, who is, yeah. we used to write on Saturday Night Live, uh, co-created It's Gary Shandling Show. Alan was great. And I just, I loved that dude. I mean, I had a ball with him. I worked in a suite of office. He's in Castle, at Castle Rock Production Company, which my show wasn't Castle Rock, but that's where Alan's office was. He had a deal there. So we wrote there. And in the suite, it was Billy Crystal, was one of the offices, and Larry David was the other office. Uh, Larry David and I were acquaintances from uh, stand-up in New York, and uh, we were never friends but acquaintances. We truly knew each other. It's a word that people don't use in Los Angeles. Oh, he's an acquaintance. Everyone's a friend. And um, I'd go into his office every day, talk to him. You know, just like you get bored writing, you just sort of walk around. I remember one thing we were doing. We were He had... Children the same age, around the same age as my children, and my kids were watching, and his kids were watching these Shirley Temple, like little, this video, this one videotape with like songs from all her movies, you know? And so I'd go over and we both start singing the Codfish Bowl song, you know, whatever, and laughing. You know. Come along and follow me to the bottom of the sea. We'll join in the jamboree and the Codfish Bowl. So one day he comes into the office and uh, he says, do you guys want to go to lunch? Alan couldn't go or what? I said, I'll go. And at lunch, he started asking me about stand-up comedy. And I, um, you know, I told him what it was like. And, you know, if you ever want to do a special, I got a great idea for you. And I had worked with Dennis Leary and Jon Stewart on their HBO specials. And I always thought it would be funny to make a special about the making of an HBO special. At the end, the person didn't have to do the special. It's about the making. Well, as I'm telling Larry... And in my mind, I'm thinking, this is the perfect guy for this. So he goes, oh, I like that. I like that. (laughs) He goes, "Uh, let me think about it. And he called me that night at home and said, let's go pitch it to HBO. And I went with Ari Emanuel and Larry to Chris Albrecht's office at HBO. And I didn't say it. I let Larry do all the talking. Um, I didn't say anything, you know. 
Chris Albrecht's reaction to Larry's idea was this. And you, you, you dream of, uh, of someone saying this. How can we not do this is exactly what he said. And so Larry decided, because my process was I was just going to direct it. And um, he insisted I play as manager, and he insisted I be an executive producer with him, not realizing that in television, that's where all the power is. Not power, creative power. Most of it is in the producing and writing. Wow. Well, so, there, there you go. Yeah, he met, and he, he's lucky enough to meet another secure person. He just <laughs> says, okay, give me that. That's, it's our idea. Let's do this together. Did you know that he came up with the whole kind of concept for, for Curb? No, that was uh, illuminating to me. Yeah. I had no I, idea. Jeff Garland came up with the idea, a show about the making of, of a comedy special. And that was the, not the first episode, but essentially the pilot for Curb Enthusiasm. It was an hour special. And uh, it was never supposed to be more than that one special. Right. And so when they started filming this pilot, it was uh, obvious that they had great chemistry and that there was something there. Well, we first just did a pilot, not a pilot, a special. And while the first day of film, like Larry and I, when we were auditioning people, we realized that we had a chemistry like we were comedy partners for like 40 years. And that was exciting. First day of filming, which we actually filmed at the HBO offices, we did everything in order on the special. Yeah, we filmed in order, which is strange. And he said to me, wouldn't this be great to do as a series? And I'm like, yeah, but inside I'm thinking, yeah, right, this will be a series that I'll be on. Little did I know, you know, it would change my life. So we filmed that, and then, lo and behold, they wanted to do a series. You know, Larry said, I want to do this. So we're sure you've seen the show, but for the few of you out there who aren't familiar with Curb, Chip, explain sort of what's unique about this show amongst other comedies. Well, it's unique that it's all improvised, that they come up with an outline, and that's probably not, you know, just put a few pages, almost like a Christopher Guest movie, where they just have a guideline for a scene, and then they improv it. Yeah, and I guess what makes it work so well is two things. The outlines are amazing, mm -hmm. and the actors that he chooses are a very funny, kind of fit into the universe of this, yes. this world, and are really adept at improv. Um, like we are. I mean, we're improvising right now. <laughs> anyway, here's, I asked Jeff about how the whole outline system works at Curb. I don't even remember what the outline was for the special, but I remember it was a story that Larry wrote. I wrote one scene because at first we were writing it together. And then uh, yeah, this one scene I wrote about me leaving him alone with my girlfriend or the woman I'm having an affair with in the park. My character was a dog even back then. <laughs> right. And in the first one affairs. also, I didn't get along with Cheryl. Mm -hmm. And HBO liked that. And then when we started the series, they said, can we keep that? And Larry goes, no. Hmm. Don't, don't want conflict there. Hmm. And he was right. right. That's the only note HBO ever gave us. Wow. Interesting. Yep. Very hands-off, or they were back then. Yeah, well, no, it's Larry David. Yeah. So, and that's what I learned from Larry David. I I don't mind hearing notes, and I will use them sometimes from an executive, you know. 
But in general, I want it known I don't have to listen. And if you don't want to do it the way you hired me to do it, I must. Have, I, I always thought I should wear a shirt that says, go ahead, fire me. I don't care. And I don't. And I haven't. Even before I had money, I had to. But you want to be collaborative because it's thoughtful and kind to other people's, you know, doing their jobs. Um, so I'm happy to listen, but I don't have to listen. So there's the Jeff Garland mystique for you. There it is. You should listen, but also you should don't if you don't want to. Pretend you're listening. Pretend, pretend you're listening. <laughs> ah, I get that. And then just do what you're going to do. But I like that HBO's one note was, oh, can you keep that thing? And Larry David's like, no, we're cutting it. <laughs> <laughs> they can't win. It's very Larry David. Yeah, exactly. Because usually it's they want you to drop something. Yeah. So it's usually not a note that's like, this is great. We love this. It's always like, well, we're not crazy about this. So the... Everything's going great. I mean, it becomes uh, from an idea to a special to now a series. Right. It's pretty wild how quickly it comes together, too, of just like, yeah, go do that. Great. We'll buy that in the room and make it. Well, that's, it I guess, to Chris Albrecht's credit. He he did have really good instincts. Right. And also it is Larry David. I mean, right. <laughs> honestly, coming off of Seinfeld. Of Seinfeld. So. But, you know, the world did not know Larry David at this point. They knew right. Jerry Seinfeld. Right. Uh, but he was obviously the brains behind what was making Seinfeld so funny. You knew Fridays, right? Did you know Fridays? Well, did I that, know now did that what in Canada. Is, no, we didn't. Oh, know okay, that. I didn't remember him from Fridays along with Michael Richards. But, right? Yeah. But whatever. It was, it's another story. Anyway, things are going very well for Jeff Garland. He's aligned himself with the magical Larry David, but then something terrible happens. In the first season, you had a serious health issue. Well. Beyond serious. It wasn't even the first season. It was at between the special and the first season, I had a stroke. Wow. And I didn't think I was, I, I didn't think I was, after I knew I wasn't going to die, I um, thought I'll just be a writer because I slurred my words. I had trouble walking. But terrifying. Uh, terrifying. And so imagine. You're three weeks out of the start of Curb Your Enthusiasm, season one, and you have a stroke. But, and I look at season one now, and, and whenever I see even a minute of it, I look strokey, and I sound strokey. The first episode, I'm slurring my words all over. But it actually was like occupational therapy. Like, it made me better, the opportunity to improvise. I had to yeah. improvise, and I got better. And now I would say I'm better. <laughs> yeah, I'd and say, it, yeah. in a way too, it's good because it's such a contrast to Larry David's high-strung nature. Mm. Not that obviously you're going for you get a stroke, but right. just the fact that your character again, you're is so laid about back. It, you're thinking about it too much. <laughs> like I don't think about how my character compares to Larry's. Right, right. And I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> no, because I don't want to know anything. I don't, right, it's I great. Just, it's great for I improv to just a level the moment of. What I do, besides moving forward, besides not going nuts when no one cares about you, there's a level of, to me, magic in it. Or, you know, uh, I'm an Indian and I don't want you to take in my picture. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you'll steal my soul. I kind of feel that way about comedy. Mm -hmm. um, the only person that I've ever met who's able to analyze comedy on a deep level and remain funny is Larry Charles the director, who'd be a great guest for your show. He's fascinating, and he's so smart. He's wonderful. Okay, we'll add him to the list as a potential season three guest. Yes, I'd love to have Larry Charles on here. 
Guy's a genius. Just going back to that last little exchange, the frequent awkwardness of the interview, I think, could have bubbled up at that moment. Yes. And I, though, I do not apologize for the awkwardness. I will lean into it. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we ask crazy questions. It's just part of life. And it's really the part of life that is improv. And so if we can take anything away from this, we're just making it up as we go along. And sometimes it's a, an idea that character? does not land. It's an idea that does not land. Yes, I'm an improv coach. The Chicago improv coach over here. Sometimes your character's not going to land with people. What are you going to do? Cry about it? No. Anyway, he has the horrible stroke. And... um you know, it's affecting the way he speaks. And they're about to start shooting the series. Oh, man. You'd think that Larry would say, you know what? We're going to replace you. But that's not what happened. So the first season, so there's a delay. Uh, Larry, to his credit, he could have said, yeah, it's not going to work out. You had the, uh, this terrible stroke. But he, he was very supportive. Well, he want, no, he wasn't very supportive. <laughs> uh, I don't think he even visited me in the hospital. I oh, think he was shit. terrified. Thinking, what the fuck did I do, you know, creating this show with this guy that now has a stroke? He doesn't know if I'm going to die. He doesn't know where it's going. But as a man working with him, he was supportive. You know, so it wasn't like, you know, by the way, if I had a stroke now, Larry David would be at the hospital every day. He's one of the best friends a guy could have. But we didn't have that relationship then. So I'm sure that he was just scared hmm. as to what's going to go on. I love this. I love doing the special. Now I've got the series and my sidekick can barely talk. That's scary. I empathize with him, you know, but we did it. We worked through it. And there was a level of patience that, I will say, he had plenty of for me. So he's willing himself through a stroke. That's inspiring. Willing himself through a stroke, making the show happen. Yeah, and he's obviously going through rehab and, um, you know, physical therapy and speech therapy. And, you know, he, and he has the added incentive of the fact that he's on a TV show. So, yes. Um, so it's interesting if you want to go back to first season and see if it's true. You do see him slurring. But he says... As the season went on, he, he was progressing very nicely. By the end of the first season, I'm pretty gosh darn good. You're back. Walking and feeling good. Still heavy. Still ate like a pig. Still had, as a matter of fact, you can, the early years of Curb, not this past couple of seasons but since we've been back, but any season before that, I'm not kidding you. This is a weird thing. You can tell me a scene, and I can tell you what I was eating from craft service when we filmed that scene. Interesting. Really? Yep. 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 So you have like a photographic memory for? No, snacks. I just no, I don't because there's other situations where I don't. It just happens on curb because a lot of those people see me in a scene, they go, well, I "Wonder what you're thinking about?" Because I'm really quiet in scenes with a lot of other actors. I'm thinking about lunch. I'm thinking about what I just ate, what I'm going to eat next. I'm not thinking about anything else. So what about when it's a scene in a restaurant? Because there's a lot of scenes in restaurants. But in restaurants, Are you- Larry and I, and I don't know who came up with it. It could be either of us. I'm thinking it's me. Came up with this thing where, you know, let's say I'm having a steak in a restaurant. And there's a little salad on the plate, maybe some rice. Well, there's also an area where they cut up honeydew and cantaloupe. And it's there. And so when I'm eating in a scene, I'm actually eating 
honeydew, cantaloupe, All right. uh, you know, I some like vegetable, that. some fruit. And so I'm never full. You know, if we do 20 takes, that's 20, 20 forkfuls of cantaloupe. Who gets sick from that? Nobody. Right. You know, and small amounts of cantaloupe. And so when I'm eating in a scene, that's what I'm eating. I'm not eating anything else. And you know who the best was in eating scenes was James Gandolfini. I talked to him about this. He um, was great at playing with his food while shooting scenes. You watch The Sopranos. That dude, ice cream, sandwiches, doesn't matter. Chicken parm. Chicken chicken parm, which they, yeah. Uh, yes. But that dude knew how to like look like he was about to eat it. He just, I just, I told him, I go, I'm in awe of your eating skills on camera. Remarkable. Uh-huh. I can't do that. I'm not that good at that. So I have to eat the cantaloupe. So does Larry. It might be chopped up watermelon, you know, whatever. Hmm. Well, I'll test you then because I probably saw the first episode of Curb Enthusiasm, like, I don't know, five or six times. So you're going back to on. the first one now? Uh, yeah, I'll go back okay. to the first one. But so the scene when you're uh, talking, when uh, Larry has to apologize about calling Cheryl Hitler. And so it's like Shelly Berman in there and uh, yeah, he's his, got, his he wife. He comes to the house. Okay, craft service was down the table by the driveway. <laughs> and um, I would have had, <laughs> no, that day, I think it was a lot of red vines. <laughs> It's and amazing. I'm more of a Twizzler guy, but I remember they had that oh big God. red vine thing, and that day, just gulping down the red vine <laughs> to the point of getting sick. Oh By the way, God. in the history of Curb, I would get sick on the set all the time. Oh, wow. Never stop filming. From Never eating? Never tell anybody. Of course, yeah. But you probably have this memory from before during Curb, your enthusiasm. Right? No. It's oh. Curb. It's built into Curb. Really? Like, I can remember where craft service was, who the craft service person was, what they had out. It's Weird. When you say when you say sick, like you just like nauseous. Felt gro- nauseous. Yeah, like one thing that I made craft service stack up on Alka Seltzer. So I'd eat like shit, get an Alka Seltzer. Wow. Yeah. What about scenes when you're trying to uh, <laughs> get the investors for the restaurant? What season was that? Three or four? Oh, oh that okay. was the doll. Okay, Th- that was on Ocean Whoa. Avenue. That uh-huh. was on Ocean Avenue, and the craft service was in the back to the right, <laughs> and. Talking to the investors, pizza. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Lots of pizza. He remembered all of it. So he says. Yeah, you can't fact check it, but I I say we um, take him at his word. And we should say that he was looking quite good. He had lost 70 pounds. Yeah. And he was looking uh, trim and uh, healthy and very unlike Harvey Weinstein in any way. Yeah, well, then it just became kind of one of these interviews where we go, hey, do you remember when this happened? You remember when that happened? Which is not the best form, but he was up for it. Right. We call that Chris Farley showing out. Here's some more of that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have like favorite episodes of Kirby? Yeah. My favorite episode is one called Wandering Bear. It's where Cheryl's vagina itches and hurts and and Larry's gardener is trying to help her. And uh, Larry and I are watching Girls Gone Wild right. and getting involved, and my dog gets run over but survives. Channel 57. Yeah, I got to watch him. <laughs> What's going on in the world? They're college girls, and they're wild. They've gone wild. They've gone wild. They've gone wild. we got to have it. Okay. I can't, I can't have it sent to, to my house. Susie will kill me. I don't want it sent here. 
How about your office? Okay, good. My office. Okay, I'll order on the phone. Okay. Girls Gone Wild, Ultimate Spring Break. Yes, I was, uh, I was thinking about ordering the tape, the videotape, the, about the college girls and the, the wild. They're going wild or something. Somebody told me about going wild. The reason I love that episode, first off, I think it's hilarious, but it's all self-contained. It had nothing to do with any storyline. And you can watch that episode knowing nothing about Curb and get it and dig it. So that's my favorite. Hey, Wandering Bear, let, let me ask you a question. You're a shaman of sorts. You know all about plants and herbs and kind of a medicine man in a way. Last night... I put a condom on inside out, and my wife's vagina is completely numb. Do you know of any herbal remedy that that might work for her? My favorite episode is probably, I would go back Palestine to... Palestinian chicken? That's that one's popular. great. I love, early on, I love Beloved Cunt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, Beloved just, Ant, yeah, yeah, yeah. the funniest <laughs> The episode's ever. called Beloved Ant. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have to do Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, in the middle, like one of the ones, or maybe it's maybe it was like three seasons ago, it was the one with uh, Rosie O'Donnell and the gay kid. The, the uh, gay kid oh, that, like that one. he buys the sewing machine the for, and they're so upset at <laughs> yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, no. And it's clear and that, that kid, the kid's gay. That kid was remarkable. <laughs> that he kid's amazing. amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday! Oh my god, let me check what is it. What is it? What is it? It's a sewing machine. It's a sewing machine. It's a sewing machine! Oh my god, I'm gonna make the Gump the Wing costume, meet me in St. Louis, the Wizard of Oz. You're gonna make the Wizard of Oz costume? Yes! Which one? Dorothy. I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. You're welcome, Greg. <laughs> A sewing machine? Yeah, he loved it. <laughs> what, are you trying to turn him gay? Look, I'm proud that this show is is an iconic show. Like the Goldbergs people love, I don't know that it'll ever be iconic, because Wonder Years came before it with that type of vibe. Mm -hmm. um, but there was nothing like Curb before. And after Curb, the landscape changed. Right. I mean, The Office, the English version even, was post-Curb and right. influenced by Curb. You know, so I think television comedy that people love, Parks and Rec, The American Office, so many different shows came from Curb. You must be real popular in England because they love Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, it's and huge. you're, I mean, I perform when you England. go to Europe, you must be yes. recognized everywhere you go. I'm recognized everywhere I go in <laughs> London, and I love playing London. It's one of my favorite places to play. And I look forward to going back. This show is worldwide. I mean, it's had a big, massive influence on people. It's basically converted the entire globe into nebbish, kvetching Jewish men. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good. That's, <laughs> wow. I feel so much more understood now when I do international travel. Right, so when you go to London and you're complaining about everything, they just go, oh, Larry David. They don't get upset <laughs> about it, right? Eat your fish and chips, Larry. Uh, they're good. They're pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. It's pretty, pretty, 
pretty good. I saw Larry David once at a party and nobody was sitting next to him. So we started talking to him and he goes, do you like the catering? I was like, oh, it's all right. And he goes, it's all right. Is there like, uh, I don't know. It just seems like it'd be better. You know, it's a Tom Hanks movie. This is like a premiere of some Tom Hanks movies. It's like, it's a Tom Hanks movie. You think that the food would be better somehow? And then someone came over and took him to the real party, I guess, <laughs> like with Tom Hanks or the VIPs. So the, and he, he just kind of shrugged his shoulders like, I guess I'm going over to this party. I mean, it, it was exactly the interaction that you think you would have with Larry David. I'm totally jealous that you had that interaction with him. It was pretty good. Complaining about the uh, hors d'oeuvres of Tom Hanks premiere. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, with the international popularity of this show and even the way we're talking about it, uh, everyone thinks, oh, I... I could write that or I could do that. Right. Stuff happens to me. Yeah, I get into awkward situations. And it's interesting to talk to Jeff about it because, you know, over 10 years now of, of doing the show or more, he obviously gets pitched a lot. Here's a word of advice. Don't pitch Jeff Garland on your idea for a Curb Your Enthusiasm. People come up to me with their Curb ideas, okay? And I tell them, no one out of the hundreds upon hundreds of people that have told me an idea, has it ever been good? Ever. <laughs> and they go, no, mine will be. And they tell me, and it's never been good. <laughs> and I have to tell them, see? And they're like, you're wrong. And I go, no, I'm not. I'm on the show. Now, here's the thing I want to point out to you. So you asked me the storylines. So I'm on the show. I'm an executive producer. I've never told Larry David an idea. <laughs> never. Never. Wow. It's his. It's all his ideas. And so um, if I haven't, some guy coming up to me at the farmer's market, really? <laughs> and by the way, I have ideas. I just don't tell him to Larry. It's not, it's not, it's, it's his show, you know? So there's my no job, writer's room? My job is to be a supporting actor, a true supporting actor, and as a producer is to help Larry David get his vision on the screen. That's my job. And so I don't need to be telling him ideas. I don't need for my ego to be involved. You know what I mean? I mean, all my dialogue is mine. I'm making it up every take. But boy, oh boy, I got nothing to do with it. So the idea that people come up to me and give me ideas and I warn them, I say, please don't. No, 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 no. And they do. And they're terrible. What's the worst even, one you've ever heard? I couldn't even tell you. They're all just... You know, uh, someone yelling at somebody in a supermarket. Like, they're all terrible. They're all, there's the reason, though, these people don't have shows. And let me also tell you, the improv shows that have tried doing what we do, the, re the difference between their show and the show that I'm on is Larry David is writing the scenarios for my show. And why is your show not great? Because you don't have Larry David writing the scenarios. Didn't Paul Reiser try to do it? Yeah, but he didn't have Larry David writing the scenario. <laughs> By the way, Paul Reiser was on an episode of Curb. I worked yeah. with Paul Reiser. Paul Robert Reiser is an immensely talented he and is. funny gentleman. But Larry David writes scenarios like nobody's business. He's the greatest showrunner of my generation. Wow. I just enjoyed Jeff yelling at us <laughs> about how Paul Reiser is no Larry David. Just, I mean, come on. That's pretty good. It's like we were in an episode of Curvy Enthusiasm all of a sudden with well, the yelling. It got a little awkward. So. No, but it was... No, I liked it. It was fun. And um, we should say Jeff has a new special on Netflix called Our Man in Chicago. Filmed in Chicago. That's on brand. <laughs> 
So we encourage you to check it out. It's hilarious, as is he. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this week's tribute to all things Curb and Jeff. Thank you, Jeff, Thanks for, coming for coming in. By. You are hilarious. Yes, and we'll <laughs> keep doing improv in our own daily lives. Oh, God. You as improv. we've been inspired by Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yes, and Seth, don't shut me down. The improv is all about supporting each other and just saying, yes, and you're being a no but right now. Need you to be a yes, and some housekeeping before we say goodbye this week. Uh, we are now just two more episodes left till the end of season two. Two left. Who will go home? It's like a reality show. We hope you have been enjoying it as much as we've been enjoying making it. Next week, tune in because we have a bona fide Hollywood legend is going to be here. Richard Donner. Wow. And he's going to talk about Superman. He is so fun. Yeah, he's busy and readying Lethal Weapon 5. Can you in believe his 90s. that? What are it's, you doing? It's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> what are you eating a sandwich? Put it down. <laughs> so, once again, thank you to Jeff Garland. Yes. And until next time, we'll, we'll see, see you in Hollywood. Hollywood.